You're listening to Mind Over Matter on WRBB 104.9 FM with Maris and Shamile. We're so excited to be here talking about mental health. I'm Maris and I'm sitting with my co-host Shamile. Welcome to Mind Over Matter. I'm Shamile. Wow, I can't believe we are actually doing this. I know, it's finally here. I'm so excited. Maris and I are super passionate about mental health on college campuses. We have both dealt with our own individual mental health journeys and have been allies to our close friends and family. Yeah, so basically we love talking about mental health, and that's why we're here, and we'll continue to do this on a bi-monthly basis. So if you like what you see, I mean what you hear, hopefully you'll come back. Okay, so should we get started? Yes, let's. All right, our topic for today is commitment phobia and relationship anxiety. Oof, that's a big one. I know, but seriously it is. Um, especially us as young adults entering into this big, scary world that is adulthood. Before we get started, we want to plug a club Shamile and I are a part of, Active Minds. We meet Mondays at 6 p.m. in 411 L Hall. Um, The club works to reduce the stigma about mental health on college campuses, and it's a really nice safe space to learn and discuss mental health-related topics. Find Active Minds at Northeastern on Facebook if you're interested. And if you're struggling with mental illness and suicidal thoughts, the hotline is 1-800-273-8255. Again, that is 1-800-273-8255. Okay, let's get started. Commitment phobia, who is she? I mean, I know that I've heard that before, um, but for real, what is it? Okay, so how does this relate to me and to our listeners? Well, relationships are hard. (laughs) All types of relationships can be challenging, but especially romantic ones. It is harder for some than for others. Absolutely. And these two phrases, relationship anxiety and commitment phobia, are used perhaps too often, when truly it's a really very real thing and can be super troubling for some people. Yeah, and relationship anxiety and commitment phobia are two separate things, right? Yeah, so they basically tend to be wrapped up with each other. Um, They should be considered separate. So let's define commitment phobia. Commitment phobia is specifically the genuine fear of being totally committed to one person indefinitely. It can be caused by a whole variety of things like childhood attachment issues, trauma, unhealthy past relationships, etc. While we often think this phobia comes strictly from being hurt in the past, it can also be rooted in confusing excitement with anxiety. Yeah, and I love the science behind this, so to reference that, a study conducted by two professors at Harvard in 2005 found that in the initial stages of love, the main stress hormone, which is cortisol, is released. And then it interacts with your brain and stimulates the release of your happy hormone, which is serotonin. So if serotonin makes you happy, cortisol makes you feel stress, isn't that counterintuitive? Yeah, so it makes sense that your brain can confuse excitement with anxiety and thus result in what we know as commitment phobia. Another great example of why mental health is just as important as physical health. Okay. So how does someone know when they have commitment phobia or someone they know has it? That's kind of tricky to say because you don't want to make assumptions that someone has commitment phobia just because they fit some of this criteria. But when you do look at the research, people with commitment phobia struggle to hold down long-term relationships, including non-romantic relationships. Yeah, and people with commitment phobia also have a tough time planning out dates and events, even weeks or days in advance. So they often use modifiers in their sentences like, Probably or maybe. Yep, and often people with commitment phobia avoid using labels in any sort of relationship. Yeah, 
But like we mentioned, just because someone fits all of these criteria does not necessarily mean they have commitment phobia. Yeah, they just might not be that into you. Haha. <laughs> no, but seriously, I was kidding about that. It's a bad joke. Um, there might be something seriously uh, going on, and therapy has been proven to be extremely helpful in tackling commitment phobia. Plus, everyone could benefit from therapy, and that's the truth. Yeah, so please don't go around accusing your significant others that they have commitment phobia just because they haven't called you boo yet. Next, we're going to shift and talk about relationship anxiety. Yes, uh, according to Carla Ivankovich, a clinical counselor and couples therapist at One Patient Global Health in Chicago, relationship anxiety occurs when one or both people in the relationship spend more time in anxious thought about the relationship than tending to the relationship itself. Yeah, and it's just, you know, totally natural to feel anxious at times in any sort of relationship, but some people find themselves being more anxious than not, regardless of the person they are with. Fears and anxious thoughts can vary, but the uncomfortable feelings are always the same. Fears can be of abandonment, feeling as if they care more, incessant worrying about infidelity, or an overall fear about the relationship's viability resulting in a lack of trust. And this can manifest in two stages of something we call relationship insecurity, the first of which is rhetorical questioning, and the second, blaming yourself. Okay, so what is rhetorical questioning? Yeah, so it it seems way more complex than it actually is. It's just when one member of the relationship starts doubting the other one and starts asking questions like, why doesn't my significant other reply to my texts as quickly anymore? Or does my significant other even miss me when I'm gone at work or school? Which can lead someone to question if their significant other is interested in them anymore or could be seeing someone else. So clearly not an ideal mindset to have during a relationship. And that happens in a lot of relationships, but there definitely becomes a point where it's no longer healthy. Um, When you're constantly worrying and building insecurity, it isn't good for you or your significant other. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of people look past that in relationships. And then after this questioning, stage two happens in which the person doing the questioning may start to blame themselves for what's going wrong in their relationship. So it could start with the rhetorical questioning about maybe why their significant other isn't attracted to them anymore, which could cause someone to blame themselves for their own appearance ruining the relationship. Insecurity sucks. We've all been there, and not surprisingly, it can be tied to having low self-esteem. But it can also be rooted in our early attachments to influential caretakers in our childhood. Yeah, so if you're a psych nerd like me, this is explained by attachment theory, a psychological theory of attachment first developed by John Balby in the 1950s, and he researched the effects of separation between infants and their parents. Um, And then within studies in later years, researchers came up with four attachment styles, which are secure, anxious, preoccupied, dismissive, avoidant, and fearful, avoidant attachment. So how can attachment theory be applied to the relationships we engage in as adults, particularly romantic relationships? So for example, secure adults tend to be more satisfied in their relationship and are very supportive of their partners, while someone who is dismissive avoidant might have the tendency to emotionally distance themselves from their partners. While fearful avoidant adults are a mix of the two and are often too afraid to be either too close or too distant from their partner. And finally, that brings us to our last style, anxious, preoccupied attachment. Adults who exhibit this type of attachment tend to desperately seek the perfect bond, something that can be better described as an emotional hunger. Although they seek security from their partners, their actual actions tend to push them away. 
something I can relate to. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, actually, because it's pretty badass for acknowledging who you are and your struggles. Cheers to making mental illness less taboo. Thanks, Shamil. You're the best. <laughs> Carry on with your fancy research, please. Okay. While certain attachment styles may have higher success rates in studies, like for anxious daters, it may help them to be with someone who is secure and reassuring, while for avoidant daters, they could benefit from someone who would give them the space they're asking for. However, it's important to know and understand that these styles are a spectrum. So even if you're dating someone with what you think is conflicting attachment style, that does not mean it will not work out. It just may take more time, work, and communication. So... If you are someone who struggles with relationship anxiety, what do you do? Asking for a friend. Well, it's funny you said that, actually, because it's all about owning it, not just identifying it within yourself, but also to your significant other. I mean, we've heard it a hundred times. Healthy relationships require communication, and especially when you are with someone or are someone who is struggling with mental illness. Yo, maybe we should talk about that in a future podcast. Hey, stay tuned. <laughs> when you have relationship anxiety, it is instinct to cover it up. But by identifying your fears, anxieties, you can better tackle the problem and be a better partner. But the truth of the matter is that anxiety is hard to describe in order to identify. True, anxiety is messy. For me, it helps to talk it out. But what I found is that you have to be direct. I've tried in the past to communicate my anxiety to friends and family, and but haven't really been direct about it. It was always in these whispers. Yes, I can definitely relate. When it comes to talking about my struggles, I tend to be so casual and nonchalant about it, but it has to be clear in order for your partner to be understanding in the future when anxiety trigger occurs. More than just talking about problems, solutions should be offered and discussed. Tell them what makes you feel more secure in times of anxiety. Tell them what often triggers anxiety for you. Yeah, I found it so helpful to tell one of my friends that when I get anxious and I'm having a breakdown, I become angry when I get coddled, but I actually do a lot better just to be sitting next to someone I trust in silence. Yeah, and it can be different for everyone. I think also that even after discussing all of this, you have to know things will still possibly go wrong. But you're with someone that's supportive, understanding, and just a caring individual you can both get through it together and continue learning and growing. Yes. I mean, of course, it totally matters who you're with. As someone struggling with relationship anxiety, I always think it's my fault when the relationship isn't doing well. And although I'm not completely faultless, it totally matters the type of person I'm with. It is truly magic when you are with someone who accepts you for who you are. Yeah, for sure. It's one of the best feelings. So, can we talk about how to handle being in a relationship with someone who struggles with relationship anxiety? Well, it's definitely hard. It can be completely draining sometimes, um, but kind of like what we talked about before, it's about communication. Yeah, and you just got to accept the person for who they are. This is a part of them, and it sucks, but it also makes them a real freaking person, and it's helpful to be intentional about showing your support and acceptance. In any relationship, regardless if relationship anxiety is involved at all, you have to work to make each other feel secure. If you're both committed to a relationship, relationship anxiety is manageable. But with that in mind, for those of you in a relationship with someone with relationship anxiety, there is always a possibility of it becoming hazardous to your own mental health, and you have to be aware of that. It is okay to tap out sometimes. The most important person in your life is you. Shamayel tells me that all the time. <laughs> I do. Um, 
I do, but seriously, your mental health is so important to you and you gotta do what you can to take care of it. If you are more unhappy than not, the relationship is not good for anyone. Agreed. And with things like communication and understanding and support, hopefully this relationship anxiety can be managed. So, are you telling me that people with relationship anxiety can be in happy, healthy, fulfilling relationships? Yes, we can. If you are someone struggling with relationship anxiety or someone who is struggling in a relationship with someone who has relationship anxiety, I recommend you reach out and get some help. Yes, let's normalize getting help when we need it. Therapy is so important. Even if you feel like you're the most mentally healthy person with no known trauma, you could still benefit. Talk to your doctor, call a mental health hotline, talk to someone you trust. My therapist loves hearing the tea about my relationship struggles, honestly, and she's super helpful. Thank you, Patricia. Love you, girl. We love her. (laughs) For those of you who are listening, first of all, thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Oh my gosh, Maris, we actually did this. People are listening. Well, I hope so. I mean, our other roommates are listening at least, so. (laughs) And I know this is an overwhelming conversation, but for all of you listening, just remember, it's perfectly okay to have relationship anxiety or commitment phobia. And if you need help, there are plenty of resources for you. Do not be afraid to reach out to the people in your life who love you. They're there for a reason. We will have bi-monthly podcasts talking about a variety of topics within mental health. Thank you so much for your support. You just heard us talking about commitment phobia and relationship anxiety on Mind Over Matter, WRBB 104.9 FM. Mental health matters. Let's talk about it. This episode of Mind Over Matter was hosted by Maris McGinnis and Shmile Aldossary. Our producers are Catherine Garcia, WRBB's podcast director, and Parker Brown, WRBB's general manager. This episode of Mind Over Matter was mixed and edited by Benjamin Harold. Special thanks to the WRBB leadership staff, Northeastern University, and Northeastern Student Activity Fee for funding this podcast. Head to wrbbradio.org where you can find the latest episodes of all of our podcasts, listen to our internet live stream, and read up on the latest music reviews. And make sure to follow us on all social media at WRBB Radio. Thanks for tuning in.